You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Father's Day. I am so excited to be with David Guerra. He is one of our elders and also the treasurer here at CHCC. He is a father of a 14-year-old married to Sonia. And not only that, but David and I are good friends and I really appreciate just his love for for God and just for how he serves uh, here at CHCC. Thank you, Ronnie. Appreciate the introduction. So guys, again, happy Father's Day. I know we're almost officially at summer, even though it's felt like summer since probably April. But I do enjoy this time of year. I enjoy days at the pool, uh, nights at the lake, tubing down to Guadalupe, or soaking my feet in salty water at a sandy beach. And by the way, CHCC family, if you guys have a house with a pool, live close to a lake, or by a river, or even have a beach house, let Ronnie and I know about that. That would be awesome of you guys. But in all seriousness though, the Garrett family has an annual tradition that we look forward to every summer. And that's driving down to one of our favorite places, Port Aransas. It's just something about waking up early on that travel day, um, driving down 37, stopping at the Walmart off of Staples because you forgot to pack something, heading over the causeway, cruising down 361, and then finally getting to the beach rental. Um, but what I truly enjoy the most about it is when you have everything set up at the beach. Your canopy, you can hear the waves crashing on the shore, you can hear the seagulls, you can smell the salty air. It's just an awesome experience. Well, today we have a story about water, but it's not in, at Port Aransas, it's not by the ocean. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 5. Uh, the setting is actually in Jerusalem, and the, there's this religious feast going on, and most likely it's the tea, uh, Feast of the Tabernacles, or Tents, or Booths. You can find details about this in Leviticus chapter 23. And basically, they would set out tents for seven days, and it was to remember God's deliverance of his people uh, back in Egypt. And so this feast was there to remember how God had helped them, how he had delivered them. And we see that this feast is one of those where the Jewish males were commanded to go to Jerusalem. And it was also a time that they brought their tithes and offerings. And so in John chapter 5, starting at verse 1, uh, we're going to see that Jesus uh, returned to Jerusalem uh, after one of those uh, holy days, which again, Feast of the Tabernacles. And, and inside the city, there was a sheep gate. And there was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. And so this nice little pool, five porches, not quite like the beach at Port Aransas, but it's pretty <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and the reason why they call it the sheep gate is why? Because shepherds would go through this gate with sheep. They would actually wash their sheep to kind of do a ceremonial washing. And this pool evidently had two different places, some for the sheep, but then also for people. And if we look at verse 3, it says, Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, laid on these porches. And now it's interesting that Bethsaida means house of mercy or house of grace. And so you see all of these people gathered around this pool and, and just kind of picture a pool that from time to time would bubble up. Chances are there was some kind of natural uh, stream that, were, that would run under, underneath it. And every once in a while it would start bubbling up, kind of like a jacuzzi. 
And so there was something that, uh, of, of a legend that was said that there was an angel's wing that would actually stir this up. And if you were the first one into the water, that, this would, uh, that you would get healing. And so if you look in your Bibles, I want you to look right now. See if you have verse 4. Many translations do not have this verse. Uh, it's not included, or if it is included, there's a note that says, not found, these words are not found in older or more reliable manuscripts. Uh, chances are, when, or like when we look at the manuscript, or manuscript evidence, most likely the answer to, to these words were not, far, were, were not part of the original text. And so chances are they were written in the margin, uh, kind of as an explanation of what's going on here. And so there's this legend that, hey, if you, if you get into the water first, uh, that you'll get healed. Kind of like the lottery. Hey, there, hey, if we get in here, maybe, maybe we will get healed. And so you had all these sick people that believed in this legend of something that might take place. And so I want you to imagine what life would have been like for these people. They just waited and waited and, and were wishing and hoping, man, if they could just get into the water sometime in their lifetime... That the, and, and the waters were stirred, that they would be healed. Well, anyway, this is basically the context that Jesus walked into. So let's keep reading through scripture. Um, so starting at verse 5, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So Jesus tells him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus followed him in the temple and he told him, now you are well, stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rule, but Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. There's two things we can take away from the scripture. The first one that we'll talk about is the lame man needed help. Some commentators describe the man's reply as a lame excuse, no pun intended, but could it be that this man actually revealed a profound truth? Did his soul recognize the need for a helper, the helper, above any other need in his life? The man had no one to help him. Can you imagine no one? The isolation must have been as emotionally and spiritually debilitating as his paralysis was physical. Was it the man's own fault he had no one? Had he driven every possible helper away with his defeatist attitude, his cynicism, or simply his own overwhelming neediness? Maybe over the years, his helpers dropped like flies as they began to realize there was no point in wasting their time. Maybe 
They had all refused to enable the man's delusional hope any longer. Why would the man continue to drag himself to the pool of Bethsaida, knowing he had no one to help him enter the water? And again, for 38 years he's doing this. So we don't know for sure what he was thinking or feeling at the moment, but it doesn't matter. Jesus saw the man and said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. This man didn't need the pool, he needed Jesus. How many of us are more like the man than what we want to admit? We have tried to fix our problems on our own. We have too much pride to ask for help we keep doing the same things and keep getting the same results. Sometimes as dads, we feel as though we have to fix and know everything. But one of the best things we can do is we can ask for help and we can let our children know we can ask for help. Not only do we, get, not only do we go and ask God for help, but we also have a church family that wants to help you. The Feast of the Tabernacle was all about remembering how God helped his people in the wilderness. He provided for them and he will provide for us. Secondly, I want us to notice that the Jewish leaders needed help, but they didn't realize it. And Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath and these religious leaders got mad about it. It's important to note that Jesus was not violating the law of God when he healed this man on the Sabbath. And he was actually acting against their interpretation of the law and against their particular rules. I love what Christy Kane said. She, she said this. She said, the dude had been laying there for 38 years, but this is what legalism and religion will do. Legalism and religion will not let you rejoice in the miracle that God does. It'll tell you why the miracle shouldn't have happened in the first place. Oh, no, it shouldn't have happened. I mean, that's what happens to people that can no longer see Jesus. And sometimes when we get so focused on the rules and trying to do everything right, we can miss out on seeing Jesus. Jesus healed on the Sabbath because people needed his help. And, and he, he didn't need a calendar to tell him which day to help people. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Again, that's John 1:17. The religious leaders were so focused on the law that they missed Jesus. They missed someone who could truly help them. I too wonder if we do the same thing. In our attempt to keep God's law, in our attempt to try to follow all the rules just the right way, the regulations, the traditions, sometimes we try to do that and we miss, end up, we miss ending, ending up seeing Jesus in the process. Yeah, you know, there's this story about a young pastor who was working hard on a sermon. It was a Saturday night. It was late. He was tired. He was preparing a sermon on Psalm 23, uh, the famous psalm that has been spoken at weddings and funerals. Um, psalm 23, verse 1, begins like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But the young pastor was not the only person present at the church at this time. There was also an elderly janitor. He had been at the church for decades at this point. He was washing the floors, cleaning up, basically getting ready for Sunday service. So while he was cleaning, the janitor saw that the pastor was struggling to prepare his sermon. So he approached the pastor and he said to him, Pastor, is there anything I can do to help you prepare? 
And the young, pa the young pastor politely declined. I mean, after all, what can an elderly janitor have to teach him that he didn't already know? About an hour passed, the janitor returned, but this time he was a little more persistent. And he asked the pastor, Pastor, if it's all right with you, I'd really like to help you prepare for your sermon on Psalm 23. Again, it was getting late, the pastor was tired, so the pastor asked him, why is it that you want to help me? Is there something I don't know? The janitor said, actually, yes. You see, pastor, you know the psalm, but I know the shepherd. 